0: Good morning friends. This truly is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to chapel worship on this Tuesday. We welcome those who are in our virtual community, those who are here in person in Martin Chapel, and we look forward to celebrating in song and scripture in proclamation this morning. Today is the annual visit from our Virginia United Methodist Annual Conference representatives. And Crystal Siegel from that office will be sharing with us this morning. So uh, let's give Crystal a a warm welcome to our space. (laughs) And you'll hear more about her, and uh, we welcome her preaching later in the service. Let's stand as we begin with a good old United Methodist Charles Wesley hymn, Oh for a Thousand Tongues.
1: Join me on the mini part. As Christians, we inevitably experience a moment. Where doing things the way we have always done them no longer works. Turn your Change your mind not bring disaster people. There comes a moment. When we stop worrying about how anyone, even God will perceive us. Lord, or, it is you commanded Peter, command me to come to you on the water. Instead, we choose to live as God's God created us. Even gods declared became my woman, each crowns are master's table. God of eternity, God of instant transformation, we enter your courts with praise and thanksgiving. Who are we to take on, well, anything? We are mere dust. But you invite us to jump in, take a chance, abandon convention, In saying yes, we find we are changed for the better. We find our gaze turning towards yours. To a world we have only begun to see. Amen.
2: I'll be reading from Mark and Exodus. Starting with Mark chapter 7. Verses 24 through 29. From there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him. And she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of sufficient origin. She begged him to cast out the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs are at the table eat of the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home and found the child lying on the bed and the demon gone. And in Exodus, and the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff necked they were. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them and the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath, change your mind and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Israel your servants, how you swore to them by yourself saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have promised, I will give to your descendants. And they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he had planned to bring on his people. Blessed be the reading of God's holy word.
0: Let's stand as we sing 644. My pleasure this morning to introduce to you Reverend Crystal Siegel. She preached for us last year and she was online due to the pandemic, and this year we get to have her in person. So it's such a treat to have you with us, Crystal. Crystal is the Associate Director for Call and Candidacy in the Center for Clergy Excellence of the Virginia Conference of the United Methodist Church. With over 23 years in ministry, she has served as a chaplain to United Methodist Family Services in Richmond, as well as a pastor to local congregations in the Pacific Northwest Conference of the United Methodist Church. Most recently, Reverend Siegel served in the President's Office at Union Presbyterian Seminary as the Director of Hospitality Ministries. Throughout her ministry, she has maintained a passion for hearing people's call stories and helping them discern what's next. Crystal, we welcome you to bring the word this morning.
3: Thank you so much, Courtney. Um, also want to say thank you to Deborah, who's been a part of my welcome here um, at EMU, and also just met Lauren or Laura this morning? Laura. Laura. Nice to meet you, Laura. <clears throat> and I'm really grateful that I get to spend some time with each of you today in worship. Um, <clears throat> I'm hoping that as we go along, we might think of this as a shared proclamation. Um, I, have, I don't always like to just tell you what I think. I like it when it's a little bit back and forth. Um, as the Associate Director for Call and Candidacy, as you might imagine, in my office we spend a lot of time thinking about call the nature of call, what's involved in a call, what makes up a call. So in your own thinking, um, uh, think of, you know, in my preparing to come here, I started to think, well, I should probably say something to these guys about call, because there's a call in my title, and that's kind of all we do in my office, talking about call. So I started to think about the hits. So tell me some traditional call stories you can think of off the top of your head. Your own seminary. Okay. Jeremiah, okay. Jeremiah, tell me another call story you can think of off the top of your head. Samuel. Samuel, right? Go back to bed, kid, you're bothering me. Go back to bed, kid, you're bothering me. Next time, say, it's the Lord. Any other call stories you can think of off the top of your head? Isaiah. Isaiah, okay. Jonah. Jonah, right? Jonah, right. Why why do you want me to go to Nineveh? You don't even like those guys. Why do I gotta do that? Another call story. Saul who became Paul. Saul who became Paul, right. So something that these call stories share is that often the call is coming from outside the house. Right? The call is under is experienced as something external, is something coming to this person. And then I started to think for, I mean, some of us, we have that experience. There is something external that comes at us, but for a lot of us, it's not how it works. There is something more organic that forms in us. Is something that maybe comes up from the ground and is known from here and from here and maybe less from here. So then cut to this lady. So I want to revisit this um, passage that Johnny read. Thank you very much, Johnny. Um, and when you look at these words, oh, and hey, um, just as a thing for a seminary, I mean, excuse me, sermon preparation, this is a new thing I'm doing. I break the verses up line by line like this. And it just helps me read each verse as opposed to letting my eye kind of, especially if I know the story, which we probably all know the story, right? So this just helps me slow down and helps me focus on each line. So I want you to take a look at the passage here. And I want you to tell me if there are words or phrases that sort of like start to float up off the wall at you and dance a little bit more than the others and just call them out. I'll tell you one that jumped out at me just while Johnny was reading it. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. I don't know why. I just never really caught that part. He didn't want anyone to know he was there. Whoops, that's not how it works out. But for you, when you look at the passage, are there words or phrases that kind of come up off the wall to you? He did not escape notice. Other other words or phrases that maybe float off the wall.
1: Unclean spirit.
3: Unclean spirit. Dogs. 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 Other words that maybe float up off the wall to you. Crumbs. Crumbs. Mm, crumbs other words phrases little daughter little say it to me again little daughter little daughter mm right little daughter okay When you read this off the page, do you hear it as a call story? Uh Uh-uh, maybe not. But if I say to you it is, do you start to see a call story? Clay, would you turn the slide? This is Allie Barrett. She's a clergy person in the Episcopal tradition. She started, she's an artist, um, she's a preacher, um, she's a, a liturgist, and she took on this passage and started to explore it with some sketches. And I'm just wondering, sort of when you look at these, just at first blush, are there things that you notice about her interpretation of this passage, things that are happening I'll share a couple of things with you. One is just that she often depicts the woman, as, the woman is definitely smaller than Jesus. So the woman has something, there's some things that we might understand she's got to overcome because of her size, because of she's being depicted as small. What are some things she might have to overcome? In these depictions, that's true. We don't really see her face. There's actually a dog. There's actually a dog. Yes. Allie talks about she. In her mind, she always assumed the dog was there when the confrontation took place. She always assumed that the dog was an immediate reference. Um, although, of course, we don't. I. I never. I never really pictured an actual dog in the moment. Um, There's some gender dynamic here, too. Culturally, like right, we understand these two people should not be talking to each other in broad daylight. They should not be talking to each other at all, partly because they're from different cultural backgrounds, um, partly because these two people are not familiar to one another. Clay, go ahead. So this is where Ali landed. And she talks about how in the other versions, you know, she was kind of softening. She was using the dog as a connector element. Um, But here, Allie talks about really taking on the confrontation head-on. You can see that here. One of the things I've been in my ministry as a liturgical dancer and we're taught to think about how to communicate scripture through posture. So one of the things that happens to me when I look at art is I look at people's postures, and I start to think about what these postures mean. So I want you and I both to spend a little time thinking about these postures. How would you describe the woman's posture here in this portrait? Something's urgent. Yes. Other things you might notice about the woman's posture. She's pleading. She's pleading. Right. This is the right. full engagement. Right. There's energy. Say. Eye. Contact. Eye contact. Right. We do see her face here, right, Johnny? Mm-hmm. And eye contact. I love the, the way the, the way she's depicted the disciples. Especially that one guy, he's got that crazy lady look on his face, right? We need to shut this down. Uh-uh. Making me nervous. Allie talks about having depicted this as a grandma. And that these are other children in the family, and this, this is the daughter in need of healing. And we see the dog here. The dog is playing a different role here in this portrait. Let's look at Jesus's posture. What are some things that you might interpret from his posture? Yes. Listening. Her hand, I can't decide if that's a or if it's this, but it makes a slight difference. Who in this portrait is being called? Jesus. Jesus. one of the things that Allie says is she put the woman in blue because traditionally we often um, or um, Jesus' mother Mary is often depicted in blue. And another story in Cana, right, where at the wedding where Mary says, this is it. And Jesus says, you don't know me. And she says, this is it. I'm telling you. Right, she calls him. This is your moment. This is your time. So Ali has wedded this woman with Mary's tradition of saying, "This is your time. This is your time to listen to act." Clay, will you change the slide? I had a strange experience. It's. I was at a NASCAR worship service. We can get into that a whole other time. But I heard something really profound there. And Michael Christopher McDowell, who was the Daytona 500 champion uh, in 2021, um, at this time, when he said this, when I heard it, it was in 2015, actually. He said, the mission field is between our two feet. I've never forgotten that it made um, call so immediate. And that's why I've pulled out this detail. We've talked about her posture a little bit already, but I really feel like in this moment, that call that I described earlier at the beginning about something that comes up from the ground and comes up from your gut it's not a lone thing, right? Everything that is going into this moment, right? This woman has a culture. She has a history, a tradition. She has customs. She has a family. She has a whole life experience. And all of that comes up and is synergized. God's, Jesus says, right, I don't know you. She says, God knows me. And he says, (laughs) Touche. Fair play to the queen. You are correct. And because you are correct, because God does know you, your daughter is healed. Both of them, this is a call story about both of them. She is called, and he is called. I want to revisit this passage in Exodus just for a moment. As you look at it, are there any words that maybe float off the page? I know this is a little more text-heavy. Stiff-necked. There stiff There is no one here at EMU who is stiff-necked. I am convinced. I'm positive. Other words that might float up off the, um, the screen to you. Burn hot. Change your mind. Change your mind. What else? Consume them. Consume them. In this story, and in the Canaanite woman story, do you notice any similarities? pleading. You have someone who is advocating to God on behalf of others. Do you think the Canaanite woman and Moses might be fearful in their moments of confrontation? Maybe. Do they have something to lose when they live into these moments? Is there something on the line? What's on the line for Moses? We know what's on the line for the Canaanite woman. What's on the line for Moses? A nation. (laughs) I mean, just not to put too fine a point on it. A whole nation. And maybe even his own what? Life. Moses here, I think a way to depict this might be very similar. And God. Clay. I will not let you go, cried Jacob, until you bless me. This is an artwork by Edward Nippers. Um, This piece by Hakee. Let it be with me according to your word, is a depiction of the Annunciation. We spent some time exploring Ali's portrait. This is a photograph I picked to go with the Old Testament scripture, imagining that wrath that Moses is trying to avoid and to massage and to dissipate. And then this passage, If it is you, Lord, command me to walk to you on the water. This painting being done in 1888. I chose these because I think they all these are all moments in our scripture that have to do with um, our ancestors having a moment where they just kind of get over themselves and are themselves from the feet up. Where the call is coming from the ground and is coming up through the chest and emanating from the heart. In these moments, everything comes to bear. It's, it's not as if they're acting alone. It's not, we don't act in isolation. We're a collection, again, of our, our culture, our history, our family experience, the way we've lived our whole life narrative. All of that can come to bear in a moment. And we can live as called, which is different from being called, to live as called. What do you imagine might be the ramifications if we lived as called? What might be some consequences of that? I see someone with a smile on their face. Can I call on you? What might be a consequence of living as called? Risk, Risk. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. What else might happen if we lived as called people?
2: Change.
3: A change, mm, yeah, a change. Maybe a big change. If we believe that we find ourselves in the narrative, if we believe this is our history, if we believe, then maybe a big change. What do we risk if we don't live as called? (laughs) Right. You're already thinking of those. Those things that we might risk if we don't live into our call or live as called people. Clay, God's call can come from anywhere. But when our call comes from inside then we know our call is something more than what we hear, see, or feel. It's something we live. And I would put to you that nothing short of the kingdom of God is on the line. And I would put to you that to live like this, there's nothing like it. And you stand the possibility of changing the world. Amen.
0: As we move into a time of silent reflection on living as called, Crystal has so aptly demonstrated for us the posture of call. And so I invite you to get your feet on the floor, either sitting in your chair or standing so that you feel that groundedness. And that you can feel that spirit moving from your toes up into the gut and into your heart as we meditate on our call and our sense of movement of the spirit. Our United Methodist students and faculty and staff are invited to a lunch in a dining room off the cafeteria. You can meet outside the chapel as soon as we are done, and we can walk over together. We have been truly blessed by your presence with us today, Crystal, and as we go, we go as called people. We go feeling the Spirit move from the ground up in us and we go to serve, and that we do now go in peace. Amen.